Boulevard would not exist without Kansas City, and uh, we would not be the brew we are without Kansas City. So we feel very strongly about celebrating this city. With great beer comes great responsibility. Of course. Uh, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger every year. Okay, today is a super unique episode of Connecting Kansas City that I was so excited about. We are recording live at Boulevardia, and it is popping. The energy is great. The weather's great. There's so much live music and great food. And I have two special guests with me, Adam Hall and Quinn Frieder of Boulevard. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for being here. So I'm going to kind of get the lowdown of on each of you with your backgrounds and your job titles here. We'll start with Adam. Adam is the brand manager of culture and strategy. Yep. So if you could, in a nutshell, kind of describe your role at Boulevard and what you do on a day-to-day. What do I do on a day-to-day? Um, so my job is is to kind of connect. So Boulevard has three big pillars. We have the the production side. So we have the people like Quinn who make the beer. Uh, we have the sales side, people who sell the beer to like consumers. And then we have like the marketing department, the people who develop like the labels and write the copy and help with product development. And my job is to kind of bridge the gap between all three of those departments so that we're all speaking the same language. I do a lot of, uh, I work with like Quinn on a lot of product development, new beers. And we design like the labels. I ran all like the blog posts and the label copy for the beer labels and package copy. And then I do a lot of, um, Quinn and I together, we do a lot of like public facing events. So we're uh, more or less like ambassadors of the brewery in addition to our full-time jobs. What did you say? That's right. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. That's good. Yeah, which is why you're here. Just pile the work on, right? <laughs> Quinn, tell me about your role. So I'm uh, mostly in charge of all the barrel aging and sour production at Boulevard. Um, there's a little bit of innovation that goes into that as well. We do have Innovation Brewer. Uh, shout out to Greg. He's a new hire that we just got, and he's doing a lot of good things for us. But anything that uh, comes out of Boulevard that's ever been in a barrel or anything that has any sort of wild or sour yeast in it, um, basically is kind of under my umbrella with my team. How many people are on your team? Like, how many brewers are there? I have three people under my team. So I have Brent. Shout out. And Drew. Brent Corey Drew, the dream team, right? It's the dream team. <laughs> so are, are you guys the only brewers for the whole company, or are there different ones for different products? So um, I have my team, and then we have other brewers on, on the other, uh, what we say, clean side. So anything like Space Camper, your Tank 7, unfiltered wheat, all the things that you're getting uh, usually in the market, are we have a whole other team for that. Okay. Uh, we have about 13 brewers on staff for that production. And then for my production, we have three plus me. What about um, products like Quirk and Fling? And who's, who, is there a whole other team behind those? That, that falls under, I mean, yeah. I mean, production-wise, that's all the clean side brewers. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Very cool. Uh, so Adam, I want to bump back to you for a second. The festival really falls under your umbrella here, Boulevardia. Tell me about like Boulevard's dream behind Boulevardia, the goal, the mission sure. and all that good stuff. Yeah. So it started, the idea came about like 10 years ago. Um, Boulevard is always, um, you know, like Boulevard would not exist without Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City embraced the brewery, you know, really quickly. Like, so we turned 34 this November and, uh, we would not be the brewery we are without Kansas City. So we feel very strongly about celebrating this city. And that's what Boulevardi was meant to be. It was meant to be a celebration of everything that Kansas City provides, but in like one or two city blocks. So that's why you see 52 like artists and creators and makers and movers and shakers. Uh, we've got so many different local, you know, we, a great music scene in Kansas City. Uh, and then we also have some great beer. So we're like, we want to kind of pull all of that together and culminate it into uh, what was originally a three-day weekend 
Uh, but that uh, it, it was a long weekend when we did three three days. Uh, so we decided to scale it back to two days. Uh, but that's what Boulevardia was meant to be. And then um, this is year eight now. Uh, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger every year. Boulevard is so like ubiquitously Kansas City. Like you guys have traveled a lot and interact with a lot of beers, I assume. Are there other breweries that have the relationship with their city that Boulevard does with Kansas City? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think that most, um, you know, like so when Boulevard started, there was probably maybe 300 breweries in the United States, maybe 400. Uh, today, there's like 16,000. Wow. So it we, you know, we were like Kansas City was like the early adopter of the craft beer scene. Um, so we were, we developed a pretty good foothold in the city and the city, it, the thing about Kansas city, and you know, this, um, Kansas city, the one thing that Kansas Cityans love more than anything else in the world is Kansas city. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you look around today, you'll see all day today, you'll see people wearing Kansas city shirts. Mm-hmm. And that's just not something you see in like other big cities. You know, they wouldn't be caught dead. in a like, you know, if you live in New York, you're not going to get caught dead in a Charlie hustle, New York shirt. Right. right. That's like a tourist. Um, we have people that come to the brewery all the time from out of town and they're like, oh yeah, I was just downtown. Is there some convention going on? Is there like a big sporting event? Everybody's wearing a Kansas City shirt. And I'm like, no, that's that's just KC, man. We love our city. Um, so while th- there are other breweries that have this same, um, you know, like that same like civic uh, pride in the city, embrace them. Um, it, Boulevard is pretty unique that we're in a city uh, the size of Kansas City. Uh, and it's a size of Kansas City of, of people who love things that Kansas City make. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's a handful of companies in Kansas City that are like the Mount Rushmore of Kansas City companies and that people are like, that's the cool place to work. I feel like Boulevard is one of them. So Ooh, what are the other three? Yeah. I mean, I think Charlie House is one of them. Okay. Um, I didn't have to come up with four. Oh, no, I just tried to put you on the spot. Oh, no, Barkley, you know, like. Uh, sure. Yeah. Which barbecue joint are you going to call? Oh, no, no, no. This is not a hot take podcast. <laughs> I cannot pick. <laughs> I have a different one for every, like, you got to have one for your, you know, one for your burn-ins, totally. one for your ribs, one for your fries. Yeah. But anyways, you guys are like, you have the cool jobs for the cool company. Like, what's your, what are what are your backgrounds? How do you end up working for a. You should take this one. Well, I mean, it's not too interesting. I mean, kind of the same path that everyone does. So I uh, started out in, in the industry probably about 10 years ago. I guess the life of a brewer, before you find your home base, is you jump around a lot. So that's just kind of anything in the industry. If you ask anyone, um, you'll either ask them how long they've been working there, and they'll say, you know, a year or two, and I'm on my way out, or I just came from this other place I just started. So whenever I uh, was coming here, I was doing the bouncing around thing, and whenever I started at Boulevard, um, it's always a goal for mine. I mean, I'm Missouri raised. I live in St. Joseph. I was born and raised there. So whenever you get a, a job at a brewery this size, you always kind of take the sacrifice of knowing that you're eventually going to have to move somewhere if you're going to get to some sort of level that you want to. And uh, kind of, you know, Boulevard was my first beer whenever I was uh, started drinking. And it's kind of uh, a huge coincidence. That, yeah, well, hey. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I mean, it was a great coincidence that I ended up ended up at Boulevard, and it's definitely my home base. So I mean, kind of went through the trials. Yeah, you know? and that's a really classy first beer. You just were you just knew. I mean, it wasn't classy at all. I, I went to the uh, I went to the grocery store, liquor store, and I think that I saw six glass because I was looking for percent percent of ABV at that point. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> And I think that I drank a 750 of six glass and I was good to go. And I was like, well, I, maybe I'll work here one day. <laughs> you were sold. The rest is history. 
Oh, that's so cool. Are most of the you guys that work at Boulevard, especially the brewers, home brewers also, or is that does it not necessarily go hand in hand? Uh, there's two paths to take on on that kind of thing. Most of the time, everyone starts out as a home brewer, but there's education that you can do. There's a certain certificates and schooling that you can do as well. What I've noticed being in the industry, especially at a place like Boulevard, a lot of our brewers and a lot of our staff that has gone anywhere and started wanted to start out in the brewing industry and then into Boulevard is they all started as they're all self-made. So there's a lot of not formal education and a lot of experience. And I think um, that's definitely the way to go. You know, you're going to learn a lot from getting education and stuff like that. But if you're if you're sitting at a brewery and you're learning and you don't know anything and you're scared and and you're you're worried about things, you'll learn a lot more. Yeah, being hands on. That makes sense. What do you think of the like average Kansas City beer consumers like beer education? Because I've had I've had a wine experts on the podcast before and they were like Missourians are like we're like ten years behind the coast on wine education. We're like just now catching up. Is beer the same way you feel, or are we like further ahead with beer than we? Well, I mean, I I don't. I mean, I think that uh, Kansas City is a very educated town just because of how long Boulevard has been here and we made a trusted brand. So when we make a trusted brand, they find something they like. And then when we release something that they are not sure about, they trust our brand to try something. Uh, a lot of my beers are going to be fall under that umbrella of uh, beers that people don't trust. A lot of big barrel aged stouts that have been aged in whiskey, wine, rum, tequila. Or if I tell people that you know, a beer that I made was made with some wild yeast that we found on a flower outside of Kansas. That's going to be a really hard sell. Um, but since we made such a trusted brand, we were able to expand these programs a, a lot farther than a lot of other breweries, which kind of comes back on the point of why, um, especially with my job, we have one of the largest barrel aging production sellers in America right now. And we have a really robust sour program. A lot of other breweries just don't have that bite on their consumer and probably have don't have that trust. So, you know, I don't know how long has it been now? Uh, 34 years? Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, bounce it back over to Adam. So when the brewers come up with like this new creative beer, are you ever like, hey, from a marketing perspective? No. Like there's no way. Yeah, totally. And, and, and but honestly, I think the opposite happens more often where um, someone from the marketing team or the sales team will be like, I have an idea for this great beer and then they'll throw it together and then we present it to the brewing team and the brewing team is like, we can't make that. That doesn't, that's not a product that can exist or there's no way we're going to make that. I would say usually we're pretty closely aligned. Um, like if Quinn or any of our brewers have an idea, it, it's usually enough for us to stop and listen. Like, because we trust our brewers so much because they're flavor makers. I mean, they're taste makers. So usually if they have an idea, it's that's when we sit up and like listen a little bit closer because it's rare that a brewer will have an idea for a beer and it's a miss. Uh, more often you see like beers on the shelves that are like just kind of like beers that die on a shelf. Those are beers that were probably built in the marketing department and not by the brewers. Yeah, yeah. so. That makes sense. Is there a goal of like a certain number of new beers or seasonal beers you want to introduce every year? Or is it really just when you have creative inspiration and everything comes together? Yeah. How honest can we be? That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> like I say it depends on who you ask. Like. Right. Yes. Okay. I love um, So, you know, we like my job is to interact with the consumers a lot. Mm -hmm. And so the consumer is always like, what's new? What do you guys got coming? What's limited? What's the? So sometimes it's hard for us to keep up because we want to give uh, like a new beer that we drop enough time uh, to live and breathe. And it, like, so for example, this year we had two new beers that are year round. We have Joker's Wit, which is a, like a, a Belgian double wit beer. And then we have 89, which is just, a, a, I say just, but it's a light American lager. 
Both of those beers, spectacular. But it takes a while for those brands or those beers to kind of find their foothold and find the right target audience or a consumer. It takes a while for people to, you know, to find its audience. Um, there are people out there that are like, uh, they collect, they treat beers like it's a sticker book. You know, they're like, I had this beer, check off, what's next? And we're like, this beer's been out for a week. You know, we got to give it some time. So it can be a lot of pressure on our brewing team if we were like, we need a new beer every month. It's just not sustainable. So it's better for the brewers to make, you know, four or five fantastic limited releases a year and then let us do the job of going out and putting it in the hands of the consumers and driving trial and sampling it and doing things like the beer dinner at the American tonight, um, giving this, those beers an opportunity to kind of live and breathe before we start looking to innovate. Um, would you say that's a fair assessment? I, I would definitely say there, there's a great balance between our marketing team and our brewers, which I've heard from other people in the industry and other breweries that it's, it's a little bit more of a struggle. So I, I find that we're, we're pretty lucky. On the other hand of that, one thing with uh, Boulevard's really good about doing too is um, listening to the brewers' uh, suggestions for new beers, uh, which a lot of people uh, gives us opportunity. We have a couple series out that we release just very small format. Brewhouse One series, Westside Wild series. So that gives us a really good opportunity to make something. And um, wh whether it be whatever it is, um, it's kind of our, our chance to take like, uh, if, we, if we're going to take a hit on a beer, we can take a hit on the beer, but we never do. We, we, all, we all make great beers. Of course, obviously. <laughs> How long does it take from like an idea to it's on, so on the shelf somewhere? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, that's probably more of a marketing question, I guess, for sure. I mean, we, yeah. So there, it's, it usually happens in two different ways. Um, sometimes it happens really quickly. Like you'll have the idea. So I don't know if you've ever been to the beer hall, um, you know, the, uh, at our brewery, we have two bars. We have a big bar that's got all of our year round beers, all of our limited releases. And then off to the side is a test is a small bar. It's called the test bar. And so usually the, the brewers will have ideas like our innovation brewer, Greg, he's like, I got an idea for this, whatever it is. Um, and he'll work up a small batch of it and then put it on the test bar. And then we use that as like a, you know, for, like a consumer confidence. Like if, if people keep coming back to the bar for that beer, then we know there's the, we have the information. They're like, okay, now we can put some energy behind it, maybe put some brandy behind it and then think about it. Um, sometimes that can happen in like six months, uh, but there have been certain, they've been beers in the past where it's been like 18 months or two years from the time we have a, a, a meeting in a conference room um, over beers. And then we're like, we have this idea for a beer and, you know, like we want to make it. And then two years later is when we actually see it come off the bottling line. So, uh, on the short side, maybe about six months on the long side where we really want to fully develop it. Um, sometimes it can be as long as two years. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. So does the, the branding and marketing kind of like, I feel like Boulevard beers have such a persona, like every beer has its own character almost. Does that happen? But is like chicken or the egg? Does that happen first? Or does the idea happen first usually? I, I can't think of a situation where we branded a beer before we made it. Um, the only one I could think of was Dank 7, maybe. Um, but that was only because we had a... So we have a... Tank 7 is like one of our most popular beers, and it's a beer that we've not messed with too much. But this... Uh, about a year and a half ago, we had a conversation, again, in a conference room over some beers. And one of our brewers uh, was like... Was like Matt Brindelson, right? Oh, he's you. Okay, yeah. Uh, so it was Quinn. Yeah, I'll throw it to Quinn. Uh, Matt was just for it. I think he supported the project. But we were talking about like, what if we took Tank Tank Seven and really made like a really hop aggressive version of it using um, hops that come from the Pacific Northwest, which have a really like 
um, like dank characteristic. And someone in the meeting room uh, said, I will call it dank seven. There had been no pen to paper, no recipe made, no nothing. But in that moment, we were like, oh, yeah, we're making dank seven. Um, and so then the beer had to de be developed. And that was on the long side because we wanted to make sure the beer was right. But we always had that name in our back pocket. So that was the only time in recent memory where I can think of where maybe. But I think the idea for the beer came first. But we happened to come up with a name like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, I, I kind of remember a little bit differently on the production side. Uh, I'm sure you do. I remember that uh, there was there was some talk about Dank Seven, and we didn't get a uh, an answer. So us as brewers just started uh, labeling the test recipe as Dank Seven, <laughs> and then we just kind of said, "Well, it's already in the system, so well, we're going to keep that in." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. So you guys keep mentioning having meetings over beers. Tell me about the Boulevard culture working there. Does I mean, I assume there's beer fridges everywhere, right? Like, tell me, and, and does everyone have their favorite beer? Like, do you have, like, this is my favorite Boulevard beer that you're, like, loyal to? Or is it, like, you have to try the, all the new ones? Is it, like, a thing? I mean, well, so, like, first thing is, with great beer comes great responsibility. Of course. You know, I mean, we, we like to have fun. We like to have beers. But, I mean, having a beer over a meeting is really just reconnecting yourself with your product. It's yeah. not, you're not, you're not really, you know, you're working in that moment. So, you know, I, I have a lot of people that are like, oh, you're a brewer at Boulevard. You must just drink beer all the time. It's like, man, no, that is not it at all. I mean, whatever we're drinking beer is where we're talking, we're evaluating. So in two different in two, in two different minds, if I'm going to meet Adam at our beer hall to have a catch up or talk about what we're going to be doing in a month or so, I'm going to be drinking a beer like 89 or, you know, Southwest Boulevard, a nice 4%, 4.5% like lager. I'm not really thinking about anything. I'm just there kind of relaxing at the end of my day. We'll also sit around a meeting at nine o'clock in the morning and we'll be drinking like a 14% beer of mine that's been barrel aged in a barrel for like, you know, a year. And I mean, that's, it's not the most fun thing in the world, but we definitely have to do it. Yeah. So uh, when I started, I was given, uh, 10 years ago, I was given tours and uh, people were always like, oh, you work at a brewery, you must drink beer all the time. And there, there is that misconception, um, but I think a lot of us respect our job enough that there's very little abuse that actually happens. Um, we're aware of the product we make, um, but also to make a good beer, you do have to taste it. So a lot of times when we're having these meetings, we're, we're tasting beer and people often ask like, well, what's the difference between tasting beer and drinking beer? And what I say is, okay, so the, you know, the difference between tasting beer and drinking beer is the drinking starts when the thinking stops. So it's like we're take, tasting beer and, and like fussing over it and like talking about it. And then when we're done talking about the beer, that's when we can relax and, you know, have a beer and then talk about the latest show where we binge watched or how far we are in Tears of the Kingdom. Have you started that yet, by the way? Diablo 4 came out. What? How did COVID impact the culture at Boulevard? Did you ever ask him everyone went and worked from home for a while? And that has to really impact what you guys want. Yeah. Yeah. The brewers didn't ever work from home? No, I mean, we we definitely changed up our schedule quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, there was no contact. It, 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 I'm in a unique situation. I, I got hired on right in the beginning of COVID. Okay. So when I came in, there wasn't a culture change for me with that or a uh, production change, but it was definitely a lot different than it is now. I mean, my the way that I perceived COVID was, um, you know, everyone was drinking a lot more beer. <laughs> yeah. And everyone was drinking a lot more stronger barrel-aged beer. So everyone was having problems uh with kind of like you know you know nobody's getting our beer we all these cake cells like whatever there's no football basketball baseball games 
But whenever people would go to the grocery store on their one time a week, they'd go to the you know counter and they'd see a four pack of 13% beer for the same as you can, you know, so they're getting bang for their buck. So in our, uh, it, it, during COVID, our barrel aging program actually, um, I think it went up like crazy numbers around like 35, 40% more sales. That's so interesting. Huh. Has that come back down now that we we're kind of quote unquote out of it or it's stayed steady? Years, it has not. Yeah. And then has, and then the keg sales and that stuff has come back up to go with it. Right. Yeah. 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 We're, we're, it's still filling a vacuum. For sure. But I mean, really showed a lot for packaging and packaged beers on the shelf whenever COVID happened. Yeah, absolutely. Do you guys have, have you guys had the like trouble hiring employees situation that so many companies have had and and retaining employees and that kind of thing or not as much just because there's such a cachet to the name Boulevard? Uh, I mean, on the, on the production side, uh, not really. I mean, we're, we're a pretty, we're a pretty good name and we're a pretty, uh, you know, we're, we're a big brewery. And a lot of people want to work for us, so we've been pretty fortunate about that. Now, that's not to say that some of those people were on that journey that I was on whenever they came through Boulevard, but there hasn't been any problem kind of filling the gaps uh, on the production side. I don't know about you, Adam. During the pandemic, the brewery tried really hard to kind of keep everybody solvent because people who were working at the brewery in like administrative roles or marketing roles, um, like our sales team, you know, those guys uh, and girls, their jobs were to go out into the market and visit retailers and um, a lot of that and like bars and restaurants and the bars and restaurants closed. And so then it's like you have people that are like, OK, this is what I used to do every day. Uh, now I can't do that anymore. So the brewery worked really hard and kind of like there was a redistribution of responsibilities. You know, the administrative folks were able to work from home and and still do today. They still like the brewery was like, if you want to work from home a couple of days a week, you know, they saw that productivity didn't drop when that happened. But then the sales team, you know, they had to like, OK, your job used to be to call on bars. Now your job is to work closely with like grocery stores where people still are buying beers. And so they were able to redistribute the sales team to keep them employed. And then as the on-premise, like the you know bars and restaurants started to open up, then there was that, uh, again, another shuffle where like, okay, we don't need as many people going to Hy-Vee now. Now we need these people to call on our customers that are selling draft beer and in hopes that the draft business starts to develop and come back as well. So I, I don't think that we saw a lot of, like there was a, a lot of retention during the pandemic. And I, I don't think we've struggled to fill positions it, it, on the sales sales side. I don't think there was a lot of turnover. You know, like we have people that work. So I've been there for 10 years. Quinn's been there for a handful of years. I work with people who've been there for 15, 20, 25 years. People get comfortable at Boulevard because like I moved here uh, to Kansas City in like 2001 and um, a Boulevard beer was my first beer that I had in KC. And I'm like, this is great. And of course the city was like, oh, you never had Boulevard before? Uh-huh. And I was like, well, I'm not from here. I didn't know. Yeah. Um, there's this, you know, like this misconception that Boulevard is as big as some of the other national breweries, but it's not, you know, outside of Kansas City, the name drops a little bit, the recognition drops. So um, I was like, well, I need to learn more about this Boulevard place and fell in love with it. And my dream was to one day work there somehow. But yeah, so uh, what was the original question? I'm like, I'm distracted by this brass band now. It's just- No, they're killing it. Yeah, they're killing it. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you. Yeah, when I travel and I see Boulevard on tap at a bar and I'm like, oh, it's very exciting. You know, it's like oh, wearing yeah, a totally. hat to the airport. It's yep. the same feeling. Yeah. Um, what do you see the future of Boulevard? Like, do you think this company is going to grow and change and expand or have they kind of figured out what they are and to stay true to it for many years to come? I think, I mean, it's it's hard. You know, it's really hard to say. We distribute our beer to almost all 50 states. We're sending beer overseas. Uh, but really, our job, I think, for the near future is to really focus on our home market, to focus on Kansas City, because that's what made uh, Boulevard what it is today. So I think our focus moving forward is just to continue to keep providing a world-class beer to a world-class city like Kansas City. And, um, you know, like seltzers, 
that was a new one that I, I'm, I can see that continue to grow the Quirk. That was a phenomenon that kind of came out of nowhere. We, we launched Quirk during the pandemic and it was like the, the seltzer craze had gotten so big that we're like, well, we can't fight it anymore. So we might as well join it in a small way. It was meant to be a little side hustle. And now it's 30% of what we do wow. uh, with a lot of uh, room to run yeah. with the hard seltzer. We have some really, um, <laughs> some really cool things that we're going to be doing within that segment. And the years to come that I'm really excited for Kansas City to get to explore. The barrel age program, we've um we went from like 10 years ago, we had two whiskey barrels. Now Quint has five thousand oak barrels that he has to manage and drink every day. No, I'm joking about the drink every day, but um, but he's also taken that from a singular style to where it used to just be like a big like imperial style aged in bourbon barrels when that was the classic barrel age beer. And now Quinn has been able to take that program and do some really wild, fun stuff with it. And so I think that's going to continue to grow as well as we're able to innovate in that space. So Yeah, that's cool. That's crazy that Quirk only came out in 2020. I did not know. It's already such a big name. Yeah, yeah. Do you foresee Boulevard expanding into other things like distilling or winemaking or anything like that since you've kind of expanded into the seltzer world here? We've been known to make a wine or two. Okay. Um, and that's kind of like with, with my... Uh, my program, we kind of get into a little bit more of like other fermented spirit, uh, fermented beverages. The distilling thing, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I think that yeah. we, um, you know, uh, shout out to Holiday Distilling, actually, because mm-hmm. uh, I don't know why we would when we have like a world-class distillery in our yeah. backyard, which, yeah. which we have yeah. a great partnership with. Um, all their, all their barrels are uh, what we use in our program as mm-hmm. well. And, Does Boulevard have much of a relationship with other local brewers? Because I feel like beer is kind of the thing that like, one ship rises, they all rise kind of thing, you know, where like if someone gets into beers through another brewery, it still helps Boulevard because now they're into beer, right? Like, is there any sort of relationships between breweries? I mean, absolutely. Taps and Taste, for example, is we're, we're having a lot of out-of-town breweries, but we always try to keep, uh, we, we try to get as many pe- local people as we can in there. The original idea for the Taps and Taste experience was to get breweries that people cannot get in Kansas City here. But we still have to pay homage to a bunch of the other breweries that are here. Mm-hmm. And uh, we try to get a uh, good rotation on that every single year. If you were getting off of uh, an airplane and the first place you stopped was Boulevard, you might have two or three beers there. And whenever you're checking out, I think any one of our beer tenders would tell you four other breweries that you need to check out while you're in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that happen. And I mean, I've even been in the tap room whenever I'm just, you know, uh, having my like shift beer after work. And people will say, well, you know... This brewery sent us here. So uh, it's, it's, cool. there's no competition in the community. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Let's be honest. There's not a lot of competition for Boulevard. <laughs> so this last one is a question I ask everyone that comes on the podcast. What is a great meal you've had in Kansas City recently? Like restaurant wreck, but like a specific dish you had that was just like mind blowing. Uh, so just like two weeks ago, I ate at the, uh, the new Italian restaurant in, um, uh, is it Crestwood? Is that the, it's over in Brookside, but like just south of Brookside. Uh, or just north of Brookside, uh, called um, oh Bacaro Primo. Mm-hmm. Have you eaten there yet? No. Oh, so it's the same same guys, uh, same group that opened Earl's Premier, which okay. also uh, check it out. Uh, but Bacaro Primo, it's it's um like it's right off of Warnell. I think it's called Crestwood is the the little shopping area there. Um, but that meal was outrageous. Uh, I did not have a single beer while I was there. I did have a lot of wine <laughs> and had uh, a Negroni. Uh, and I had some Amaro's after after dinner, but I would put that on your list. Okay. Uh, Bacar Prima. Okay. Uh, it was outrageous. Sounds amazing. 
So, I mean, first came to my mind is the last time I had a really great uh, meal was uh, right, I think they're right over there in Prosper's District Novel. Mm-hmm. They had some, uh, I think it was uh, it's like some sort of ravioli that was stuffed with like bone marrow and just like very simple ingredients. I mean, seriously, like probably like three ingredient, like ravioli, so simple, but just like so rich and everything like that. They have a fantastic whiskey selection and bourbon selection there. And I, I really like the way that they're doing things down there. I try to get there as much as I can. Yeah. Awesome. Kansas City has such an underrated foodie scene. That's why I always ask everyone. Because yeah, there's some legit yeah. restaurants. So I went Wednesday night, went, had a little girls night out. We went to Extra Virgin and then the Mercury Room, which I had never been done the Mercury Room before. Oh, yeah. Extra Virgin I was, is always amazing. Like everything is phenomenal. Yeah. But I had never done the Mercury Room before. So like super cool. But you have to go on a random Wednesday or book six weeks in advance, basically. So, <laughs> so yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate your time. I know you're busy. Adam and Quinn, thank you for being here. And good luck with the rest of the weekends. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll thank see you, you so next much. time. Thanks so much for joining us today. If we haven't already, let's connect. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and TikTok at KC. We're back right here every Thursday morning with a new guest on Connecting KC. See you next time.